Hi, welcome to another episode of The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. Um, so tell you what, guys, we're going to have a conversation today with a woman that I think is absolutely phenomenal. And if you've ever wanted to know how to develop membership or community, uh, you're going to want to listen um, because Lan Fan is probably the world's leading expert in this topic. And I mean, she's first of all fascinating. She's delightful. She's a great conversationalist. I've you know, just had the very brief opportunity here to get to know her a little bit, and I feel like I've known her forever, which speaks a lot, I think, of her superpower in creating, you know, what it is that we're going to be talking about. So, Lan, I'd like to welcome you. Hello, Blake. So excited to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Absolutely. Now, uh, I'm just going to start, you know, you know kind of a. a a, a cold opening here. Uh, I usually weave this in a little bit later, but you know, when you hear the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? And I want to, yeah, you know, you know, I'm going to plant that seed because I want to. There's a couple of things that I want to just kind of organize around after you've uh, had an opportunity to play with that that question a little bit. Definitely, definitely. This is something that's actually really top of mind, and um, I feel, you know, the soul of a business is really about what is your reason for being. Why do you exist? Um, what is your purpose in terms of like impact to people, communities? Um, and I really believe that it's almost uh, as in terms of being a startup or entrepreneur, what's the DNA and the values of the founder? Um, and what do they want to leave? Um, you know, how do they want to leave the world a better place? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, being, I've just finished outlining a new book and I'm picking up on that last thing that you say. Uh, and then the working title of the book right now is Leave It Better Than You Found It. Oh, I love that. I'm going to tell me when you, when you release it, because I'll be the first one to buy it. Okay. But that, yeah, that, but that notion uh, of the founder's DNA and impact, those two things, um, you have had an incredibly varied and interesting uh, career. Um, and I'm not going to go back and go through all of it, but I mean, you, you've spoken at the UN, you've spoken with you know, most of the fortune 500 companies. Um, and, um, a lot of it has to do with this whole notion of, of connection, community development. How do you develop, uh, uh, and I'm going to colloquialize this thing, but a, a marketplace that people feel connected within and, and mm -hmm. connected to. So with very generically speaking here, your latest gig or your last gig prior to the one that you're in right now, which is a community of seven, was with Forbes. And if oh, you're fortune. willing, uh, I'm sorry, not, uh, yeah. fortune, yeah, with fortune. Yeah. And um, that's an interesting, uh, I think, story of, uh, it's almost a hero's journey in one sense. Um, just <laughs> a little bit I know about it. So would you mind just kind of opening the box up a little bit here? Because where I'd like to land at the end of that narrative is this community of seven and tie it back to the soul of, uh, soul of business conversation. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's kind of funny because um, right, you know, right before the fortune opportunity came, I was kind of figuring out, you know, I was an entrepreneur in my 20s and I was thinking, what's, what's the next thing I'm, that I'm gonna do? And I had no clue. And so Alan Murray, who's the CEO of Fortune, um, you know, recruited me to become 
create a startup within Fortune. Um, and so I, need, I basically had a multi-million dollar budget. I had to hire these like a huge team and basically go from ideation. So there's no product. I had to go from ideation to launch in six months. So if you've ever been involved with a startup or created a business, that's a pretty aggressive timeline. But I was tracking. I got hired, probably started in November, late November, um, and just, you know, basically started hiring a team. I was on person number um, five, and then COVID happened. And so I got laid off. But what's worse is I found out I had to also lay off my entire team. Some of them had left jobs to work for me. So I was devastated. And once again, this is happening in the background of COVID. I'm in New York and it's, you know, people are dying. I was literally crying every day. I was in a deep depression. My daughter used, had to kind of give me these finger exercises uh, for me to breathe. <laughs> it was my six-year-old. Um, and I was just kind of lost. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. On day seven, something my daughter said just kind of like pulled me out of my depression and she was like mommy I love you even without a job and I don't know what it was but it just sparked something in me so on the seventh day I created community of seven and the name just kind of came from nowhere I didn't know what kind of business I would create but it would be called community of seven and so um, that night I never built I hadn't built a website since my days at Stanford University, which was like 20 something years ago. Um, and I just learned how to kind of build a website, launch community of seven. And that's pretty much the origin story of how community of seven was created. And like I said, I didn't really know what the business would be, but I knew that I wanted to create something that would help as many people in my lifetime. And so with that, I realized that A, I'm going to probably have to use my own funding because no venture cap capital, pap, capitalist would like fund or firm would fund <laughs> a business based on helping people. Um, so I kind of dug into my savings and my, you know, 401k, my severance, and I just figured it out. Now. The idea of helping others. Yeah, talk a little bit about what Community of Seven actually is. It's an invitation-only uh, membership site. I, I know that, and and so what do I get invited into? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I later on figured out what my business model was. Um, I ended up doing like a accelerator program, and I really kind of dug in deep, like what is my purpose and, and reason for being. And I had been doing these let's talk where I brought executives together to talk about things that are most important to them. And um, you know, prior to this, you know, I was building communities at Fortune. Before that, I also helped build the CMO practice at the uh, you know uh, the CMO Master Circle. Um, while I was at the Association of National Advertisers. So I've always kind of focused on the executive communities. Um, and so in this next iteration of Community of Seven, I knew I, my belief was I wanted to help people. What superpowers could I bring that made sense with my mission and purpose, but also what I'm good at and my Rolodex, right? Mm -hmm. So Community of Seven is 
very different in that it's built around purpose and it focuses leaders on, who are purpose-driven leaders. And so Community of Seven, it's an invite-only community for those looking to change the world. We bring leading executives, founders, thought leaders, and change makers together to solve really big business and societal problems. So our members are leaders in their industry. They're activists looking to change the world. They're founders of companies. They're either in the C-suite or rapidly approaching it. And you know, the hope is that through Community of Seven, um, we basically help individuals grow personally and professionally, but also the ultimate goal is for them to create either a program, like an ERG group, a startup, something for their community that will actually impact society and make the world better. So essentially, uh, my, my hearing suggests that what you've created here is an opportunity for business to take responsibility for the whole. Yes, yes. And I, I really do believe that there's a shift. You know, when you think about kind of how businesses and corporations were traditionally created, it was for, you know, if you look at Milton Friedman's shareholder good, um, it was for shareholder good, profit above all. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why we have, we're living in a world where our climate, you know, like you look at all the social injustice that's happening. And I think CEOs and leaders kind of led by the business round table in 2019, realized that they needed to change their mission statement and they did. And they realized that they needed to change it to be focused on shareholder being a more broader, um, you know, swath where it incorporated their employees, their customers, their suppliers, the community. Because yeah. the thing is, as a CEO, if you're all about profit, but you don't pay your workers a living wage, or if you don't educate the next level of, uh, you know, for the next level, like the technology that they'll need to, to, to have for the, you know, the future, you're not going to have a customer base, right? Perfect. And so yeah. everything is interrelated. And I think real purpose-driven leaders understand that it can't just be about profit. It, yeah, it, it definitely can't. You know, uh, I'm, I'm on the... Uh the executive board of the uh, World Business Academy. And the Academy was one of the founders of Just Capital. And Just yeah. Capital uh, measures, you know, it, it basically came up with a different set of metrics uh, that are not in competition with, but counterbalance the Fortune 500 list. And it's the Fortune, it's, it's the Just Capital list, which mm. looks at our companies just in the way that they actually conduct, you know, conduct and transact their business living wage, environmental impact, social responsibility. So what are the metrics that begin to assess the efficacy of a business within that context? And that's really beginning to gain some traction uh, because people start paying attention to different things. And you know, I'm fond of saying energy will follow uh, attention. So what, what's, the atten yeah, what's the attention of business and what energy is being mustered in service of um, that attention? And, and that's such a great point. And I, I do believe it's custom, customers demand it. Your employees demand it, especially when you look at millennials. They really look at what, the, you know, the founders values, the company's values before they mm -hmm. take any type of job, right? Yep. And it, it's kind of funny that we talked about metrics. And, you know, I, I was a serial entrepreneur and entrepreneur building companies within 
bigger corporations. And um, one of the things we always do when we create a product is we ask, what is the MVP? What is the minimal viable product yep. at launch? So basically, what could you sell for the, you know, uh, with the least uh, function for the most value? And I was like, that's such BS. What we should be asking is, our MVP should be, how can you bring the most value to people? And that was my philosophy as I built Community of Seven. How can I help people? And the, the revenue, the, the business model will shape itself um, based on that kind of like North Star. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if your focus as a business leader is on most value, and I mean, and it has to be appreciated value. Uh, mm -hmm. if, if somebody's going to actually, you know, say yes to it, it yeah. How do, you know, I'm, again, I'm very fond of saying, yeah, that a, a singular metric of success will be how do people feel about themselves when they're in the presence of your service or product? If they feel uplifted, if they feel ennobled, enabled, they're going to stick around. And if yes. they're not, they're going to go away. So that takes the commoditization out of the process, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Uh, you, the differentiator is do people feel uh, feel uplifted? Apple, I think, mm -hmm. is really good at doing that um, with their product. It's not an accident that they're the most valuable quote unquote company on the planet today. Uh, appreciated value. I'm I'm curious, uh, Lan. Um, yeah, attitude is more important than being great. And I'm and I mentioned that because we're looking at you know, I mean through the lens of of business and. If you go back good to great, you know, Jim Collins is classic uh, in the last century. Um, but attitude, the, you know, what you're talking about is a different mindset, a different attitude than what mm -hmm. traditional business leadership teaches. And yes. I'd be interested from your perspective, what do you see the primary differences being? I, you know, I've got my answer to that, but yeah. You know, you're, you're in the trenches. You've been doing some very interesting work for a number of years, you know, really up close and personal to some of these business executives. What's the difference in attitude, in mindset between the kind of leader that you're aspiring to have these folks you know, step into and what you find traditionally in, in organizations? Well, I mean, I think the traditional model was kind of based on power. It was based on growth, hierarchy, revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Um when you think about businesses, you wouldn't, everything was centered around the product and um, how much revenue can this bring? What does the customer look like? You know, you built out personas and you kind of like try to maximize, you know, you minimize costs and you maximize, you know, um, like other, like, you know, how can I sell as many of these widgets as possible? And I think the new paradigm is just really about impact? What's the story you want to tell? What do you want to be remembered for? What is your purpose? Like, you know, like thinking about building business in the past and the companies and corporations that I've, I've consulted for, I've been on the agency and client side. It was just all about product placement, you know, the, 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 the you know, the four P's and like this new paradigm is just about like, what is the legacy and I, I think that's the big difference. And what I'm doing now runs counter to everything I learned, um, <laughs> everything I learned um, in school, <laughs> in economics class, um, building a business, 
working at different corporations. And that's scary. But the difference is that I built this business around my personal values. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized was that I would never sacrifice my values and my purpose for any amount of revenue. Well, I want to come... That's I'm gonna, yeah, I want to put a pin in that one. I want to come back to that in just a minute. We're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the courage that it takes to, to not, uh, not cross that red line. Yeah. And, and what it takes to be, to be able to define that red line. Yeah. Okay. And we'll be right back. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52-week-long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast-changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the leadership mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to um, obviously the soul of business with Blaine Bartlett. I was speaking with Lan Fan, and just before our break, we were talking about values and um, building an organization based on attention to values. And the interesting thing that I that I found, Lan, is you know people talk about values. Every organization I've ever consulted or worked with had values, and then usually is artwork that's up on the wall someplace, uh, and that, that and that's about what it is. It's it's artwork on the walls that people say, "Look, we've got values." Values show up in behavior and there's espoused values and there's values in practice and the espoused values show up as, you know, as artwork. What I'm hearing you talk about and what we started to you know, open the door to when um, we were ready to take a break here was the espoused values. You know, what are the, what are the things that you're, not the espoused values, the values in practice. What are the values that you, know, you live that bring meaning to your life because I think that's what values do. They bring meaning to our lives. So how do you, in, in the building of a uh, you know, community of seven, yeah, how, do, how do you enforce, and I've used the word enforce very you know, uh, advisedly here because I'm not looking for an enforcement mechanism, but how do you keep the values alive so that they become a North Star in your words? for the organization yeah. and for and for the members of the organization? I mean, I think the big part is alignment, but rewinding a little bit. 
values without action has no meaning. Mm-hmm. If, if you espouse and you say that you have all these values, but you're not living it, it's pretty pointless. Mm-hmm. The first step is understanding what your values are, and that's important. But if you're not acting um, as a business owner, as a company, then really, what's the point if it's just a paper on the wall? And your employers, employees, your customers will know when you're out of alignment. And I think that's kind of why companies that are aligned with their values, even when they do something that can kind of seem controversial, like you look at Nike and um, Kempernick, it was a controversial move, but aligned with their values. And I think one of the things their CEO said was that if we lose a few customers, that's fine, but this... This, these are our values and this is what we need to align to. And I think that's kind of the whole notion of like you need to, your actions need to be aligned. Otherwise it's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, just kind of a uh, little meme that I've worked with a little bit around this. It's easier to talk about our values than it is to live them. And, yes. and, you'll, and you'll hear companies all over the planet talking about their values very few of them actually live them in the way that we're talking about here. Um, yeah, Tim and Cook. If you, live them, if you live them, you'll realize that there'll sometimes be negative consequences, but because your value supersede everything, you will still do it. Yep. So my values, personal values, and now it's my business values because I'm a sm- sm- startup, right? So my values are really my company's values. And mm-hmm. one of my big ones is, you know, I'll tell you what my four values are because, you know, I'm, I'm an open book. My family and my friends who are my chosen family, my faith, helping people and um, freedom. So everything I do in terms of this business has to do with aligning to my values. So when I had that aha moment, I, I thought I knew my values. But when I got laid off, it really I was able to really have introspection and really figure out what are the things that are most important to me? Yeah. And I aligned those four. And I realized that no job I had in the past, none of them, and I've been working for 25 plus years, aligned with my values. Even though I thought Fortune was my dream job, I was commuting three hours a day. I didn't see my daughter, right? I would see her on the weekend. How do, If my family is the most important thing to me, but I'm working and not seeing them, there's a disconnect. And when at the end of the day, I was creating a product that would do good, but it wasn't really to help people, it was to serve a company, a corporation. Mm -hmm. So the whole notion of building Community of Seven was about how can I help as many people as possible in my lifetime? Really simple. So when I look at, my marketing strategy, you know, we went from zero followers to 80,000 followers on LinkedIn and Facebook. Facebook is not my core demographic because I focus on executives, but my philosophy is how can I help as many people as possible? And so my strategy on Facebook, you know, if you follow my community of seven, um, pages on LinkedIn or Facebook, you'll, there's a lot of quotes, there's a lot of learnings, what I call micro learnings, which are kind of leadership, life learnings, you know, uh, like kind of like these mini lessons 
in these posts. And I focus on Facebook, not because of profit, but because of my values of helping as many people during this time. When you're talking about values, you know, in the back of my mind, I keep hearing soul being spoken. Yeah. And I think values are the language of the soul. Yeah. Uh -huh. In one sense. And back to my, my comment about, you know, it's far easier to talk about our values than it is to live them. It takes courage. It takes courage to make the decision that I'm not going to commute three hours a day because my family is as a value. I, that, I'm not going to compromise that. So that, uh, that starts to put us at the threshold of uh, entering into the soul. And that's where imagination lives. Imagination lives at the threshold of the soul. And I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of you know, circling back here just a bit. The epiphany that you had at the end of the seven days, your imagination got activated. And imagination is the gateway to the soul. And once I become crystallized around what are the values that are that are moving my soul to express itself. And I'm not talking about this in a religious sense. I'm talking about this in a fundamentally human expression sense. I start getting creative. I start looking yes, at, how do I do this? And yeah. I think it's also, you're fighting between fear, which is your reality, right? Because this is what I've known. Yeah. I've worked in corporations. I've been an executive. I get paid a lot of money to do X, Y, Z, right? And literally to jump off this cliff yep. is really, <laughs> really confronting all of your huge fears because I have a mortgage to pay. I have, you know, tuition. I have whatever it is that you have, like your bills, right? And it's this belief that, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself because I believe in myself. Mm -hmm. A. Two is that, I'm going to make this work regardless of how impossible it might seem. Well, you know, <laughs> and you're, you're, <laughs> you're speaking my language here. What I'm hearing, and, and, and I love this part of this conversation because you're talking about a transition and it's a transformational transition between I am committed to you know, developing this thing that you know, Fortune wanted me to develop to a conversation with yourself that says, I am this commitment. And that commitment, I am this commitment yeah, to my value core. I am this commitment. And it expresses itself in this sense in community of seven. I mean, that's the form that that comes in. And there's a distinction between I am committed to and I am a commitment. It's a declaration of identity. I am a commitment. So true. I can't not well, you know, do this. What it's funny when you mention you know that conversation between soul and purpose. I think your purpose and your values are a manifestation of your soul, right? Mm -hmm. All of us are born with this this need to be who we were meant to be mm -hmm. before society and people told us who we should be. And that is that struggle. And that is that's really that fear, right? Well, you can't do this. You're a woman. You can't do this. You're a refugee. You can't do this. You don't, you know, you don't have a multi-million dollar budget. You can't do this. You need VC funding. And um, I think it's that notion of just jumping in. And this is the first time, and I've started many businesses before. Like I was a serial entrepreneur in my 20s. 
this is the first time I feel like a hundred percent sure this is what I was meant to create and and this is what I was meant to give back to the world. And um, it's funny because people ask me, it's like, well, you like, you know, as soon as I people heard that I had got laid off, I got all these opportunities came and I just had this crazy belief that this is what I meant to be, not to work for someone again. And knock on wood, that might change. But like that when you follow what your purpose and your values are, that certainty is like nothing that I can really describe of like, this is what I was born to do in the world. Yeah. And, and it is a certainty that goes beyond words. I've had that experience. Yes. It's just yes. Kind of, yes. Cause it, I can't it, really it, describe it. Like <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, the, the, it, it's already happened. I just haven't arrived kind of a situation. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yes. And now, now my life is just a you know, sequencing you know, process because yeah. it's already happened now. I got to clear the stuff out of the way. So I, I can see I can't, I can't change the ball from rolling. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's rolling. I can't, I'm not going to stop it. It's momentum. And I, I feel that it. momentum. Yeah. You know, th this whole conversation is, and I've loved this land. Um, the idea, you know, Earl Nightingale one time was asked to define success. And um, he said that success is the um, uh, uh, steady progression uh, of oh, the steady realization of a worthy ideal, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. And I, I understood that and I, and I appreciated him saying that. Uh, and my experience in living uh, a successful life and I've had catastrophic failures and I've had some pretty good success. And what I picked up out of this, and this is one of the things that you've illustrated here uh, in this conversation, is that um, success is actually developing the capacity to continuously start over. Yes. That, that's what success ultimately comes down to is developing despite that failure. capacity. Despite, despite failure. failure. <laughs> well, and, and, and that's where the capacity comes in. I have to have the capacity to embrace failure. I have to have, more importantly, I think the capacity, and this is what you did in your seven-day journey, uh, the capacity to be introspective, to, let, you know, to quiet things down enough to let the voice of the soul actually say, here's what you're about. Here's mm -hmm. what needs to happen next. That's a capacity question. Do you have the capacity of stillness? And yeah, you are highly energetic. You are creative. You're, you know, I mean, you're, I mean, you, you just bubble. And I, I just have to applaud you know, the, the circumstances, the happenstance, whatever it was that allowed that voice to be heard because you are doing, in my experience, uh, and, and I just have <laughs> a brief experience here, some phenomenal stuff. You're, you are having an impact. Um, where can people find out more about you and what well, you're they, up to? Yeah, so they can find me on communityof7.com and seven is spelled out. So communityof7.com and um, they can find me on linkedin.com. Um, my company page is um, community of seven. And, um, you know, they can also connect with me personally, land fan um, on LinkedIn as well. I love, you know, connecting with people and helping people. So <laughs> okay, that's great. those are probably the best places. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Lan, L-A-N, Fan, it's spelled P-H-A-N, Lan Fan. So folks, check her out. Check out Community of Seven. Um, this, I, I am so jazzed about this conversation uh, and what you're up to. Uh, it gives me hope that there is hope for the world in so many ways. And I've never not had that 
hope I, you know, I got bit by a crusader rabbit <laughs> a long time ago. I'm going <laughs> to well, date myself with like that reference. I feel like you're my long lost soul brother. So thank you. <laughs> uh, same here. Same here. I'm going to have you back on the show. And uh, actually, I'm going to invite you to another show that I do called Office Hours, uh, the Soul of Business Office Hours uh, with my friend, David Meltzer. Uh, David and I host that show every Thursday. And we've got a pretty good audience on it on LinkedIn. It's live LinkedIn and live Facebook. So I'm going to get you on the show. We'll have you there and we'll have a great conversation with David as well. And we'll get, we'll get community of seven. Yeah. On on the map in a much bigger way. Very cool. Thanks so much, Blaine. I'm so glad we got to connect. You are amazing. And I love your show and you're doing wonderful things. And I can't wait for the book. I will, as soon as you drop it, I'm, I'll be your first customer. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll probably reach out to you for an endorsement. Awesome. You got <laughs> I'll it. I'll give you a pre-publication <laughs> copy. Thank okay. you. My guest today, Lanfan, founder and CEO of Community mm-hmm. of Seven. Okay. And next time, um, I'm not sure who we're going to have on, but it's going to be an interesting show. In the meantime, you can check out uh, my website, blainebartlett.com and find out more about what I'm up to. And I mentioned the office hours. Tune in uh, Thursday uh, afternoons, 3.30, or actually 3 o'clock on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, and you'll see uh, the Soul of Business office hours on my site and uh, on LinkedIn, on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. And until next time, thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.